Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a DubLab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the DubLab radio archives. DubLab.com, it's Celsius Drop. I'm Frosty and always a pleasure to be here with you on the DubLab Airwaves. We are moving into our 20th year. So exciting. There's a lot planned in the new year. But right now, let's uh, savor 2018 while it lasts and enjoy the music that is here. And now, speaking of here and now, we have a very special guest, Morgan Rhodes in the house. How are you? Good, good. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for for coming up um, a longtime fan of all the good work that you do and happy to have you on the show thank you so much likewise yeah I could you know I could hear you read obscure tax code on the radio for like hours and it would already <laughs> it would be a pleasure um, you have a beautiful voice but you also have a, a deep music mind and you've been devoted to to sharing music and and starting in radio, you're, you're currently a very busy music supervisor, but also still in radio. But tell us about some of the, the kind of first uh, glimmers of how that they were pulling you into the world that you're uh, busy in now. I think uh, the radio thing started in college. I went to Clark Atlanta University and I hung out at uh, the radio station, which was WCLK. There were two DJs, uh, both named Ken, uh, Ken Rye and Ken Nice, and their uh, show was called Hot Ice in the Afternoon. I didn't, Ooh. yeah, Hot Ice in the Afternoon. That's a good one. And I didn't know that I wanted to be in radio, but I just loved hanging around and sort of tipping in. I got cool with one of the guys and said, yo, is it cool if I call you sometime and you play a few things? Uh, fast forward to later, I just uh, came back home after college here in L.A., and uh, started working in the mail room at KCRW, mm-hmm. answering the phone with Dan Wilcox, and uh, didn't know that I wanted to be a radio DJ. Thought I would read some spots. That was my whole goal. I just want to read. KCRW is sponsored by. That was my whole thing. And that, why? That, why was that appealing to you? Um, I had heard it was a good way to make money. Uh, I wasn't uh, a huge fan of my voice, but I was a huge fan of money as a, <laughs> uh, an after-college uh, student. So uh, my friend told me to hang out at a radio station, and the rest was history. I ended mm. up uh, uh, volunteering for the great Garth Trinidad and Jason Yay. Bentley and uh, ended up having a, having a show for a year, and then the rest was history. I was just mm. entrenched uh, in radio. To fly back to WCLK, sure. do you remember the first time you... We're at the helm of the airwaves and the feeling of, of being behind the mic and in control of the music that was flowing. Uh, yeah, and that's fast forward because at WCLK, I just was hanging out. Okay. But I, I remember um, my first show uh, at KCRW. It so was, that was the first place that yeah. you were you were there at the, uh, the space controls. 2007, yeah. My show was called uh, The Playground. Mm. And uh, my hours were 3 to 6 a.m., Yes. And uh, so that's a classic first show slot. That was my it. first show slot. It's it's interesting. Also, I feel a crossfade of days. You get the people who are, you know, I'm, I'm up early headed to go do a meditation retreat in the <laughs> desert or, I'm, you know, I've just dropped eight hits of acid and I'm playing Super Mario Brothers. You know, it's like <laughs> the wildest kind of uh, blend. That's you know? it. 
That's it. No one's up at that time except uh, my mother used to say, me and the Lord. We're the only ones listening to your show. So that's how, how it started for me, um, just a fortuitous set of circumstances mm. that, I didn't, that I didn't foresee coming. That's called life, right? Yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. A... And what was the, the framework for it? And, um, and was it something that you were kind of building on a lifelong love, a specific sound, or was it a broad palette? I wanted to explore the alternative side of black music. Mm-hmm. So everything alternative. And at the time, it was I was a part of the renaissance, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in L.A., this burgeoning scene of alternative music with mm-hmm. uh, Jay Davey and Janetta yep. Rose and the Rise of Stone Throw Records mm-hmm. and Peanut Butter Wolf and uh, Sarah Creative Partners yep. and all the things that were going mm-hmm. on, Cy Smith. Yeah. And so I came along at a good time for that. And so I wanted to explore that, including, you know, Left Field Soul, uh, house music. I was I was you know in a torrid love affair with Bugs in the Attic and Broken mm-hmm. Beat and all the things in West London. So I just, and acid jazz. I was still mm-hmm. uh, a holdover from uh, Giant Step in those days and and all the things that Giles Peterson was a part of. Yep. And so that's the stuff that I that I wanted to play. And uh, that's what that's what I played. It was my my love. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's the best thing to put through the radio is the music you love, the music you're passionate about, and the music that might not be. It might be in the the hidden corners, especially in Los Angeles, where a city of all these pockets that are, you know, kind of beneath closed doors or around the corner. And and this is music that might not be on the main airwaves. I mean, thanks to KCRW or other stations, there are these outlets, but to give light, shine light on, on lesser known sounds. Sure. And, you know, connect those dots. You also then, you know, started moving into a world of music supervision, which you're very active in, uh, worked a lot with Eva DuVernay and, and staying busy. And that's another way of sharing your discoveries and turning people on to music. Is it a, a similar part of the kind of brain when you're, you're searching? Is it, is it like crafting a DJ set? It is like crafting a DJ set, except that you have to figure out how to pay for the music you like. Mm -hmm. That's the only difference between being on the radio and being a music supervisor. That your tastes are informed by that side of your brain that's in love with music. But uh, you have to think as as a person that that's good at saving money and yeah. in my personal life uh, heretofore I wasn't that good at that so I thought mm-hmm. God just said well I'm going to make you a saver uh, yeah. by giving you this career uh, to teach you how to how to you know spend your money wisely mm-hmm. so it is an extension of that I feel like I'm uh, making a playlist everything I work on yeah. and I think it challenges me as a music fan and as a programmer to dig deeper because of the needs of the show or the needs of the showrunner the director mm. so I really feel uh, honored to be able to do that job it's the only way I think I can give back for the opportunities that it, that it, that it's yielded for me yeah. is to sort of push this music that maybe people haven't heard of or unaware of and it's yeah. the way to to give back to the artist, because I think you're only a music supervisor, a good music supervisor, uh, because of the artist, not because of mm. your ear or your taste. I mean, the greatest thing is you might need to find the ways to pay for it, and the magic kind of sweet spot must be to find the right song for the right moment in yes. the film or commercial or video, or whatever. Um, but also to to find an artist people don't know about, and then you're putting that money into to their pockets and furthering their career, allowing them to continue making art or. Or if they had made it decades before, you know, giving people, you know, something that they might not have received at the time. That's so it. it's a nice kind of gift into channel that into the into the artist pockets is really wonderful. Um, 
you continue your radio with Heat Rocks, uh, a great podcast with Oliver Wang, part of the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah. And uh, you had uh, Dub Lab uh, DJ Cut Chemist um, and have done a lot of great shows. So people can look that up and, and connect to Heat Rocks. Each one, each episode focused on a record. Mm-hmm. One album, one album. We don't we don't want to blow the covers, but is there one for you? Is there is there an all time kind of a record that you can't get away from or that you don't want to get away from? It would be Grace Jones, mm-hmm. uh, nineteen eighty two, living my life. Mm. Uh, Nipple to the bottle, yeah. my Jamaican guy. Yeah. Everybody hold still, uh, cry now. That's just uh, one of the most precious moments of of uh, vinyl that I've ever experienced. Yeah. One, because it's the marriage of ska and dub and yep. soul. Um, two, because of Grace Jones's presence and uh, her voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult to be inimitable uh, in yeah. the business, and she certainly is that for a whole lot of reasons. Yeah. So listening to that uh, and ta- even talking about it now just gives me chills, and no one has come on the show to talk about it, so I can't mm-hmm. wait for someone to come on so we can uh, do a deep dive into Miss oh, Grace yes. Jones. Well, I'll, uh, I'll have my ears ready always ready for grace jones speaking of always ready we're always ready to share music here on dub lab and uh you said 1972 but we're gonna hop a little later to 1979 you've put together a selection of tunes focused on that year why that year and uh tell us about uh, what we're gonna start with i'm so glad you asked me that frosty um 1979 for me Hmm. was the first year that buying music was a thing that my love for music took on a tangible Mm. expression and I was very conscious even as a little kid of the way that music made me feel and that I needed to pursue it Mm. I was I I became really aware Mm. that this thing called music was really moving me and that I had a little bit of money from my chores and I wanted to buy it 1979 was the first year that I bought music I uh, was living in Inglewood at the time Mm. and my brother and I walked down the street. I took my chore money and we went to a little record store on the corner of Sentinella and La Brea in a strip mall. And uh, we were trying to decide which record we were going to bring home. And I grew up really churchy. And so the decision was between uh, not just Knee Deep, Parliament mm-hmm. Funk- Funkadelic, and Prince. And uh, and so I, I'd go to either one of those churches. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> I said, listen, my brother said, he was little too. He was like, you're not going to be able to bring this one home mm-hmm. because it was Prince bare chested on a white horse. And so shout out to my it looks like an John. angel or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be a tough sell for my mother. And so we went with, uh, we went with parliament funkadelic, not just knee deep. And I had a little uh, red and white uh, record player throwback to me being very, very little. And I was so excited. Mm-hmm. We celebrated by going to a, uh, get some ice cream, and when I went home, I played that thing. And just the feeling of putting that record on yeah. my record player, I can't, I can't describe. And as a little kid, I thought, my God, and I spent the rest of the summer yeah. spending my money mm-hmm. um, buying records. I bought um, Cameo, mm-hmm. my God, I bought Foxy, Get Off, yeah. and uh, would sneak and play those records uh, when my mother would leave for Bible study. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so 1979 is always going to be precious to me because it was the year for me that I thought 
I can take my love for music to the next level because I can buy it and I can bring it home and yep. enjoy it. Mm. And, uh, and so that, that just took me to the next level of a, of a music fan. Well, we're going to get into a little praise session of our own here. <laughs> 1979, as selected by my guest Morgan Rhodes here on DubLab, starting with Prince. What's the name of this tune? Sexy Dancer. Here we go. That's a good one. If I didn't have these stilettos on, I might be moving from side to side in here frosting. The the music itself is incredible, but I I think we could also just hear an acapella version of that, and it would still rise to the top. I mean, incredible vocal work. And I think purist of the song, uh, you know, might cite LTD's Mm. version uh, as the more precious, but Mm. that to me just, it takes the song to a different level, makes you move, and so... Like I said, 1979, I picked this music because that year is so special to me Mm. uh, in terms of my love for music, the love affair I have. And so was there someone, you went to the record store with your brother, was there someone in your life uh, beyond your brother or or including your brother who also was pushing you into kind of musical discovery at an early age? I know you said you came up in in a religious household and and maybe some of this secular music wasn't as embraced in the house, but um, what were the other figures or moments in your life that that kind of turned the light bulb on? Both of my parents, Mm -hmm. um, when they weren't listening to gospel music, uh, they'd sneak other things in the house. My mother used to bump uh, Diana Ross, Touch Me in the Morning, Mm -hmm. and uh, my father was a fusion fan, yep. and uh, he liked the Weather Report. Uh, oh, nice. uh, he liked Miles, uh, and he was an Earth, Wind, and Fire devotee. Okay. Um, my father uh, was a man of few words, very cool, and yeah. loved to drive and play music. Mm. So the first time I heard songs in the key of life, I heard it on a track, okay. and you know that's uh, twenty-four songs, and so that was four a tracks. Yeah. And on a long drive, um, you know, we heard it together, and then the, the only thing I remember him saying is, "This is a really good record," mm. and then he played it for me. So I think my uh, my love affair was sort of uh, informed by my parents choices yeah. and they would play even the gospel music they would play at the time mm-hmm. um they played andre crouch live in london yeah. and some of that stuff and early walter hawkins okay uh which was alternative gospel for the time mm-hmm. because we're coming out of you know um traditional gospel and quartets and mm-hmm. mahalia and the crusade yeah. you know the caravans and stuff and so i just feel like i was a i had a rich musical childhood Great. i feel very blessed by that so there was an open embrace of of music beyond specifically or maybe you know there's there's something divine in 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 pop music and if your father is saying you know this is a good record you can't help but hear songs in the key of life and and, and think about the divinity of of that's right humanity and the expression through music that's right 
That's right. And I think um, in terms of some of the music and the balance between uh, secular music and uh, and religious music, I thought the artists, specifically black artists, were drawing from the same place because so many of the artists that had crossed over had their start in gospel music. Yeah. So it all felt very spiritual to me. Mm. Um, some explorations I had to do outside of the house, certainly the whole Prince thing. I knew I wasn't getting those records in the house, um, the posters themselves. And in fact, um, I tell this story often, but my cousin... Um, got really deeply religious and gave me all her Prince records. She was like, I don't have any more need for this. You know, I'm going to heaven. I'm saved. And so uh, the you first... Said, you just saved me. <laughs> well, she handed me controversy, and I was like, oh, I can see why. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not going to be able to bump this in the house. So I'm thankful for those mm. for those moments, and I think uh, it is quite possible uh, to love the Lord and love early Prince, as, as I do. Yeah. So. And things also change. I think that time kind of tempers things as well. And I think that, you know, there's a, a larger embrace over the years. You know, I think that people who, who might at the moment see it and, and there was a lot of maybe maybe controversy floating around prints. You know, I think people didn't understand, you right. know, and I think over the years it changes and and you can hear prints almost anywhere in the world and sure. people are cool with it. Um, we heard George Benson love ballad. And what was before that? Uh, earth, wind and fire. Can't let go hmm. Ooh, from I am one of my favorite yeah. earth, wind and fire albums. That was one that that's one of the best ones. It was, it was so hard to, uh, to choose this set. There were so many places mm -hmm. I could have gone with 1979. Hmm. Um, but I just tried to go a little bit deeper than I normally would do. It was a great, great year in music. I almost put uh, Amy Stewart, Knock on Wood, in there. Um, I almost put a police cut in there. Mm. Gosh, there were so many things. I, it was hard to narrow it down, but... We're, we're uh, following a little bit of a wavelength of 1979, but it does branch out, and there's more, which is kind of the beauty of music. If if you feel like you've heard it all, you might as well stop. But if uh, you know there's <laughs> discoveries out there and things, one thing leads to another, there's infinite tangents. Sure. And uh, that's the beauty. I think that's what keeps... You know, people who, who, who have this passion to, to be involved in sharing music keeps us going, yep. you know, knowing there's something around the corner. Uh, right around the corner of Earth, Wind & Fire was GQ. Mm, my God, Disco Nights, Rock Freak. That reminds me of uh, roller skating, uh, growing up roller skating. It's so interesting. What was your rink of choice here in L.A.? Oh, World on Wheels. Yeah. World on Wheels. And then uh, I spent a lot of summers in uh, Waco, Texas, and there mm. was a, a local... Uh, a local rolling uh, roller skating rink there that I used to frequent. And so, you know, I had some moves. I'm not going to brag about anything specific, but just know this, Frosty. I was out there sort of killing, gliding, gliding mm -hmm. on my skates, mm -hmm. and uh, and music was a part of it. Certainly yeah. this uh, this uh, disco, post-disco, or early disco era, and GQ was a part of it. Disco mm. nights. Yes. that uh, The roller skating rink, uh, definitely a special place where, you know, a, a unique way of connecting with music and and uh, uh, lots of uh, great dancing on on wheels yes, happening indeed. out there. Um, we're going to continue. So if you're uh, if you're ready, you can strap your skates on and continue the <laughs> radio program at home. What's up next? Uh, Rufus, any love featuring Shaka Khan? Probably not the standout track on that album, but for me, that thing is a thing of beauty. We're going to get into this thing of beauty. We have uh, Morgan Rhodes, very special guest here on Celsius Drop. It's dublab.com. Rufus, coming your way now. 
giving it to you right here on dublab.com morgan rhodes the selector for this very special episode of celsius drop bringing us all back to 1979 with some classic sounds Tell us a bit about uh, the tunes we just heard, please. Well, we heard, uh, we started off with Rufus, Any Love, featuring Shaka Khan. I am a mm. Shaka Khan uh, fan. Um, this is not my favorite uh, album that it came from. My favorite album is actually Shaka um, for a song called So Not to Worry is one of my favorites. People don't talk about that one um, a lot, but I am a Shaka devotee. Um, she is quite the closer. I think if people are new to the Shaka party, start with the Rufus stuff and start with the last uh, minute of any song mm. because she just, her vocals uh, are, are energetic and uh, they're ambitious and she knows how to close the song so I picked that for that um, I the could, Shaka party the, yeah, indeed that could be a radio show name itself listen call me we can get, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to do uh, I couldn't get out of 1979 without off the wall mm. um, it is uh, a gorgeous gorgeous piece of music and it was hard to pick a song from there off the wall rock with you uh, burn this disco out she's out of my life uh, but I went with Don't Stop Till You Get Enough because it just makes you want to party uh, Cheryl Lynn of course Keep It Hot um, love her I was listening to Encore for those that are into Cheryl Lynn know that jam classic classic jam and then Sly and the Family Stone of course we we finished out with that remember um, who you are I was a little late to the Sly and the Family Stone um, party mm. um, I remember hearing Stand um, I remember hearing it Everybody wants to be a star. My uncle would play that. But in terms of falling in love with Sly um, and the Family Stone, I didn't fall in love until I saw the Woodstock documentary. Mm. And I just saw that on a fluke one night and was like, good Lord. Sad that I was too young to go to Woodstock. And, uh, and wish I had been in the audience to see that performance, among many others, as you well know, Joan Baez, Richie Havens, Joe Cocker. Um, there's so many great performances. But after that, I just became uh, entrenched in Sly and the Family Stone, their catalog. Genius work. And um, I was just looking up the, the correct title of this. Uh, there's a Light in the Attic release, I'm Just Like You, Sly's Stoneflower, 1969 <laughs> to 70. And all of these kind of Rhythm King demos and stripped down records and seven inches that, that Sly was putting out. Um, so many great artists have so much that, that doesn't come out. I mean, you played Prince. Of course, there's the famous Vault mm-hmm. or Michael Jackson, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough. There's the, the demo of that. That's just a burning kind of raw stripped down demo. So it's interesting, you know, when you think you've heard it all, you haven't. And music is the gift that keeps on giving. I'm curious about, you mentioned your father putting on uh, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life and and simply saying, this is a good record, a great record. Um, Music and talking about music, I think is important you you do that through through the the work with heat rocks and the work you do on npr through speaking through through films as well placing the right song at the right moment or djing but music's also it's this kind of ethereal invisible it's this thing that you know people say talking about music is like talking describing the wind or you know different kind of uh, uh euphemisms but 
How do you balance, you know, there's something about a great song that doesn't need to be explained in a way, um, but there are also stories behind it that, that, that can illuminate the spirit of that song. But do you, do you ever kind of uh, hit that, that, that moment where you think, you know, should I be talking about this? Should I just let it rest, you know, or is it always important to tell the story? Uh, I think listen to it first mm. and tell the story uh, later. Mm. Sometimes uh, I feel compelled uh, to talk about the music or my experience with it. Sometimes there are songs for which uh, when you're listening to it with friends, you just get it. Yeah. Songs that make you uh, just stop and listen because the song is so good that you just don't want to waste a moment of it. Um, one of my favorite songs to that end is uh, the Jones Girls' Nights Over Egypt. And whenever it starts, I just, yeah. there's really nothing. I could talk a lot about the Jones Girls later, but in the moment I have to mm. just let the song play and experience it and also give myself space to draw my own memory because as mm. a music fan, as a music lover, I have so many moments that are connected to music like mm, yeah. 1979 and like my first Prince concert which was Purple Rain. Where was that at? Uh, it was in Berkeley actually and the invitation said everyone, everybody wear purple and I, listen, I was clean as the Board of Health, Frosty. I had all, all types of purple on in there, purple lace and uh, didn't think we were going to be able to get in so that was my my first experience, mm. and then this journey with Prince from that yeah. first concert to the last time I saw him with, the, with all those nights that he did at the Forum. And Special, so, yeah. My God. So there are so many... Um, music is emotional for me because I can't think about it just as a fan. I think about where I was when I heard yeah. this song or that song. And so and Prince has been in this very building here that we're standing in and, uh, you know, was a, a diehard music fan, mm -hmm. you know, always seeking the sounds, always wanting to hear something... Uh, new um, or the familiar kind of classics um, it's an endless journey and we're happy to be to be on it with you Morgan Rhodes and happy to have you the faithful listener along for it we are traveling through the year of 1979 with uh, our guide Morgan Rhodes <laughs> and continuing the journey what's what's up next uh, wow. We're going to have to get into the emotions and the Jones girls, uh, as I mentioned them. Just fantastic, fantastic music from uh, the best harmonies. Mm. Uh, I love these type of harmonies. Um, they're different than the 60s harmonies, different from those girls' groups. 70s harmonies were something completely different, as you'll hear when you hear these songs. We're going to harmonize together. Let's get on the right wavelength. Here comes What's the Name of Your Love by The Emotions.
I put on two pairs of roller skates, strapped them on <laughs> one on top of the other, and I uh, couldn't stop moving. Shine some light, Morgan Rhodes. <laughs> what was the last tune? Oh, that was Keep On Dancing, Kiki Gunn, who <sighs> was a Ghanaian keyboardist. He was a, a, one of the members of Osibisa mm. and uh, went into disco, and that song is featured on a compilation. I think it's 24 hours of, of disco, 1969, maybe to 1982, wow. something like that. But yeah, lo- loved him and, and actually um, found that on on, uh, on Bandcamp a couple mm, of years ago. Amazing. And I was like, Lord, this came out in 1979, so... Uh, and those been, layers are, I mean, Osibisa broke through and was popular around the world um, and was a great kind of window into African funk and, and you know, you know, bringing it to, to a larger kind of audience. Sure. But the players themselves, you know, have these kind of storied histories. Oh, of, yeah. How, do you read a lot of liner notes? Are you a liner note junkie? I used to be mm-hmm. uh, when I was, you know, looking at records as a kid. Yeah. Now I'm just like any history and information I can get online, I just pour over the yeah. stories. Um, and if I'm curious about, you know, something in particular, a movement, I can, I know I can always reach out to Egon, who's like a Wikipedia for, for music. Yeah. And so... Um, and, especially, w- and wine and <laughs> and wine especially when it comes to like um, African and diasporic music like he yep. just knows and so some of the stuff that I've you know come to get into you know a psych rock and and uh, Nigerian funk and some yep. of that stuff um Egon was the sort of the gateway drug mm. for that. Some of his pop-up sales yep. and stuff. You know, if you if you ask about any record, he's going to be able to tell you that in detail. So, just some of the stuff that I'm interested in. Beyond uh you know there's only one Egon and um, you can catch his ear and, and connect with him, maybe at Rap Cats or elsewhere. But if you're not so lucky to have Egon in your life, what are some of your go-to sources for just musical discovery if you're going to you know, kind of open up and, and, and just kind of dive into something new? Where, where do you go? I would say the one place that has served me well over the last couple of years is Discogs. Oh, yes. It is an amazing rabbit hole of mm. discovery. Yeah. And, uh, and if I'm honest, actually YouTube. Because yeah. when you look for any record on uh, Discogs, uh, they'll have a YouTube link. You click that, yeah. and it'll pull up everything that's similar. And Lord, you're just you're just gone from 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 the moment in. So that Discogs has been very very good to me. And if you're patient enough to wait on shipping and stuff, and you don't mind uh, waiting on that, you're patient enough to do that. I think it'll open up a whole world of discovery for you. It's great because you can follow the trails of the the various performers or writers, producers. You can find the variations of of spellings of names yes. or an artist like Kiki Gian who who. You can then start to follow what groups he was part of, and, and you're right, a rabbit hole indeed, but but one that uh, I'm ready to get some carrots. Yes, indeed. And I'll hop in. Um, you're actively hearing music a lot, and for, say, for music supervision or for your, your radio work, you're thoughtfully listening to music, you're researching the kind of uh, worlds around a particular song or an album. For you, when you need to to kind of clear the space, have the pause, but a pause filled with music, is there kind of a, a bomb or kind of a, a record that that's a go to record that you put on at home that helps to kind of just reset you, recenter you, refocus you? That's a good question. Um, 
sometimes I will just listen to instrumental stuff. Sometimes I'll just listen to beats. Mm. Um, I always come back to the home base, and uh, gospel was my first love. So when I do need centering, I'll play some of my favorite records. What's a what's a favorite gospel record of yours? A Love Alive one, uh, Walter Hawkins. Uh, great, great material there. Uh, one of my favorite voices in any genre is a singer named Daryl Coley, the late, great Daryl mm. Coley, and I'll play his live album. Um, so gospel is what I come home to just to relax. Yeah. And for me, I feel all the same things when I listen to all types of music. Mm. It's just uh, music with you know, a purpose of you know, trying to reach people, but that's really, really my center. Mm. Um, I have to have those moments where I'm not working on music, where I just take time to enjoy it. And uh, gospel music helps to open up that place for me. And then mm. sometimes I'll just, I don't know how, how many people would consider it relaxation, but I like to give myself homework because I don't feel like I've arrived as a supervisor. I just want to get better and continue to study. So I'll just give myself assignments. Mm. I'll say to God, do I know enough about this genre or that genre and just go to Discogs and start learning, read articles, um, read music writers about genres that I want to be more fluent in. And that's a way to, to take my mind off of the assignment of a show or the assignment of an episode. Mm. And something to have in my back pocket. So if someone, you know, later on down the line asks for, you know, somebody that plays bagpipes that was a, you yeah. know, a black man in the 70s, yep. I know who to go to and I know how to find that stuff. And so that's fun for me and that centers me too, just doing music homework. Rufus. Uh, yes, indeed. Yeah, Rufus. <laughs> McBride. Is it McBride? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it is Rufus McBride. Um, sometimes, I mean, do, do you find that that the the kind of action of taking your mind off of it and and accessing other worlds, even if it's meant to be unrelated and meant to be just kind of the homework and the furthering of the study, do you find that you might come across things, the unexpected that could work specifically for the project that you're working on? Yes, yes. And I want to say that that's, that guy was also uh, Rufus Harley. Sorry. No, Rufus, Rufus Harley. Rufus yeah. Harley. yeah. Um, I have come across stuff that will work that I've been really surprised at, uh, specifically um, when I'm working on more current material. Mm. Um, it's always fun to sort of dig back uh, into the into the past for the opener of Dear White People Season 2, we used um, Jesus Walks. Mm. And uh, our assignment uh, was that we wanted to explore the records that had become samples or had been sampled. So we went back into the art choir, which took me down a road of like... 80s and 70s choirs, New York-based choirs, Jersey-based choirs. And I was like, well, Lord, this has opened the door. Mm -hmm. But I kept some of that stuff in my pocket as I want to do because you never know when you're going to need it. Mm -hmm. And I just want, I don't want to be caught unawares when someone asks me for something random. Yep. I want to be able to say, oh, I have that. I can, I can get that. So you've got a infinitely deep pockets of musical wisdom. So uh, there's a lot there floating around. Floating right before uh, Kiki was oh, won by Slave. Tell us about that. Oh, just a touch. My gosh, my uncle bumped that thing to <laughs> death. And he had humps in his car. He had mm. like a Seville. That was his jam. Mm. But I, I, all, whenever I uh, play anything from Slave, any Steve Arrington, I'm always reminded of Dame Funk. Yep. And uh, so I, I play that uh, in, honor, in honor of him. I think he is... Uh, 
one of the best things about the West Coast sound, and he is on a mission Absolutely. to spread the gospel of funk. So I had to. He, had to he introduced out. me to Steve, and uh, he he was you know he he has helped reconnect audiences with Steve Harrington, and I think that. Um, it's also like there's guiding lights out there, you know, yeah. the, the lifers who are so devoted to the music. And I think that um, they influence the next generation because yeah. it's a continuum and it's further kind of busting the myth of music is for the young and the people who continue to do it, put their heart and soul into it can then inspire the people like Dame Funk, who mm -hmm. has a great outlook, who says, you know, this is for him. It's true. If funk is infinite. But also all the interconnected music made from the heart is infinite. And he speaks to that truth. Other young people here that come up in that sort of kind of wavelength and in that light and are, are bold in doing what they do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's been a beacon for that genre. He has certainly continued to modernize it and push the genre forward. Yep. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him. And I'm so grateful that uh, we share the same city. Mm hmm so right before that, uh, the Jones girls who you, who you mentioned that was, uh, you put that on and, and that kind of pauses time and space. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very anthemic. Uh, you know, you're going to make me love somebody else. Uh, I almost placed in that place, Phyllis Hyman, um, you know how to love me. Mm. I love, I love, uh, black women, mm -hmm. uh, Telling, speaking their truth yep. in that way, and uh, and I love the harmony. So I had to put the Jones girls and the emotions uh, back to back because I love those their harmonies. Um, there's another group that I'm fond of, um, Perry or the Perry Sisters. They spent a lot of time backing up uh, Anita Baker, but they were discovered by Pat Metheny, mm. uh, sort of from the same school of of those layered, gorgeous, uh, you know, almost angelic harmonies. So yeah. I had to put those back to back. They worked very well. Thank and you. We're going to continue uh, working it out for you right here on Dublin. Morgan Rhodes is my special guest on Celsius Trout, bringing us all to 1979. And we're going to keep it going. What's up next? Tina Marie, my Lord, I'm just a sucker for your love. Pow. <laughs> <laughs> Affirmative radio. That's what we're about. We are bringing it to you. Affirmations in the form of sound. Who was uh, who was uh, bringing us that beauty? Oh, that was Joe Sample, the Chris Crusaders, and Randy Crawford, mm. and, and um, powerful I, combo. Indeed, the song was "Street Life," and I think that's the song uh, that made me a music supervisor. How so? Uh, it was the first time that I. Um, the hair on the back of my neck stood up when I heard a song at the beginning of a film and I was able to tie that moment to the song. The film mm. was Sharky's Machine. Mm. Uh, back in the day, my little brother and I went to see it and I just remember that moment. I won't spoil it for people that want to see the film. It's an interesting pairing of that song with that moment that I couldn't appreciate until I became a music supervisor. Mm. And I have a lot of love for uh, Joe Sample. I almost put Carmel there because we were doing 1979. Love Randy Crawford's voice. So I had to put that in. And before that, we heard uh, Millie Jackson. We got to hit it off. Uh, Millie Jackson is the queen of uh, 
of being uh, extra, I would say, uh, being in the 70s, being in the 80s. And, of course, um, on Heat Rocks, we did uh, a series that Oliver called Women Women Behaving Boldly, mm-hmm. and we featured Millie Jackson. And before that, Tina Marie, I'm a sucker for your love. Tina Marie and Rick James. I remember somebody playing that on the bus uh, here going down Crenshaw. They had a, a, beat, a beatboxer, and I was like, ooh, I mean, my God. I think they were playing Square Biz, and then after that they played this, and I was like, good Lord. I, I love Tina Marie. I love her voice. I had to put that in there. You don't hear as much anymore people kind of projecting their music worlds. Usually it's stuck in their ears, you know, on headphones. But but it's nice to think about, you know, the, the boom box or, yeah. you know, people kind of letting letting them know. I mean, it's like a tattoo when somebody gets yeah. tattooed. This is who I am or this is what I'm about. But when you can have that kind of audio statement, it's interesting. Yep, indeed. Your, your audio statement is very bold. You're putting it out there in the world and you mention... Heat Rocks, people can tune in to Heat Rocks through MaximumFun.org. That's the show that Morgan Rhodes hosts with Oliver Wang. It's a great one. Urge you to check it out. Also, you can uh, hear uh, Morgan pop up on NPR and uh, give some uh, wisdom about musical discoveries. And uh, what's the best place for people to to connect to all of this for 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 your various worlds, music supervision, radio, et cetera? Where would you uh, uh, point them to uh, my website, which is morganroads.co.co. Um, I love Twitter and Instagram. So certainly reach out there and let's have a conversation and tune into Heat Rocks. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, it's just an honor to sit down with the great Oliver and uh, talk, talk music. Uh, he's an academic. I'm just a fan. But I love being in the room with him to talk about uh, music with people that are in love with yeah. music. And, and I'm just, just so glad to, um, to be a part of the scene here in L.A. And I have to say um, congratulations on 20 years of Dub Lab. And thank you for what you've done um, for the city and what you've done as one of the architects of the scene. We are so blessed to have Dub Lab here and to have you here. So thank you so much, not only for having me on, but for the work you've done uh, for the scene here in L.A. We, we so appreciate it. We're so so lucky to have you. Appreciate you and appreciate uh, all of the open ears out there. That's what uh, inspires us and drives us. And the musicians out there who are busy uh, putting their uh, souls into what they do. So I hope that everybody continues to uh, build, grow, and continues to follow their passion, mm-hmm. you know, because that's uh, the most important thing. We're going to uh, close on a beautiful number that Morgan Rhodes has selected for us. Again, this has been a set of music from 1979, uh, influential, important year in Morgan's life and uh, a great year in music as we've witnessed here. What's this final piece? One of my favorites, as I mentioned, my dad was a fusion fan and, mm. and loved Jeff Lorber. Um, Rain Dance is the song. It's been sampled now twice on two classic pieces, A Crush on You, of course, Little Kim, and more recently, Mariah Carey sampled it on her latest album, Oh No No. But uh, this is a, is a great, great song. So, Bringing it straight back to the source. And uh, we'll close on this Jeff Lorber fusion. Thanks, Morgan, Thank for you being so here. Much. Appreciate it. All right, folks, we are over and out for another episode of Celsius Drop on Dublap. Please join me next week. Oliver Coates is my special guest. Yes.
In Conversation was produced by DubLab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bame. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.